Well, hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Time to Shine. Um, my name is Adrian. I'm also known as Northern Star on Twitter, and I am not joined alone. I have my fearless co-host Mike here with me. Hello, everybody. It's Mike, also known as the Buried Truck on Twitter, and uh, we're back for a couple, couple real special episodes today, my friend. They are real special, and I, it's fun because you know, going back and watching them, you know, you never. You know what you're kind of in for, but you never know what it's exactly going to be like. And these really brought me a lot of joy rewatching. Mm-hmm. Me too. I, I agree. I must these say. are one of these in particular. I always, uh, I always really looked forward to, you know, pulling up on on the YouTube and giving it a watch. On the YouTube, <laughs> which one will it be? You'll mm. have to wait and find out. Mm. 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 The mystery mm. grows. The it does. It does. So we today we are covering uh, two more lovely episodes from season one to make our way through. So we're covering episode nine and ten. So let's turn our attention to episode nine, which is Two Old Hands. And this is one of my favorites. So I'm just going to kind of put that out there right, you know, right off the get go. It's uh, this is a very special one to me. I don't know about you, Mike, but uh yeah, spoiler alert, this is the one I was just talking this about. This is the so. one yeah, I knew. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, uh, the mystery does not grow any further. The mystery has been solved literally five seconds later. But you had people, like, on the edge of their seats for that, like, you know, one and a half minutes. They're yeah, like, which what, one is it? <laughs> what could it be? Uh, yes, this one is just so lovely and heartwarming and very, uh, yeah, very heartfelt. Mail call! Anything for me? Anything for me? Anything for me? All right, just a second, kids. Tanya? Uh, me? Oh, Matt? Look! My pen pal sent me a picture! Oh, isn't mail wonderful? You put a letter in a mailbox and someone gives it to your friend a thousand miles away. Got any mail for me there, Stacy? Oh my, oh dear, time for me to disappear. So um, for those of you, again, if you haven't seen these episodes, please go give them a quick watch uh, before, but I'll give you guys a little summary uh for you of this episode so basically it starts out at the station as it usually does and the gang which is um stacy matt and tanya realize that it's harry's birthday but that he doesn't know that they know so they all decide to throw him a surprise party and uh schemer gets involved in this as well as the episode progresses uh, and then Stacy, one thing she does to keep Harry kind of off the trail is she keeps him busy with odd jobs around the station, um, which involves him kind of getting grumpier and grumpier. Oh, you're finding things for me to do. Oh, and it just increase <laughs> it ups the ante of the surprise because he's so grumpy until they all finally surprise him much to his joy and uh, give him what he says is one of the best birthday parties he's ever had. Uh, and then we have, of course have Mr. C and he finally confronts his shyness about meeting Harry and he tries a couple times earlier in the episode to meet him but in the end disappears just can't stand it and then at the end after the party he takes a moment to pluck up his courage and he finally introduces himself properly to Harry in the workshop 
And then they're soon kind of lost and talking about trains and episode fades out. There were hailstones as big as basketballs. I said, no, possibly baseballs, but not basketballs. But he swore to it. They were the biggest hailstones he'd ever seen. Yeah. So, Mike, um, can I ask you, what are some of your initial impressions of this episode? Well, uh, based on our previous episode discussions, it should kind of go without saying, but I am a big fan of Harry's character. Um, this episode just in particular, it's one of the highlights of his character for sure. I really love that. Like they're just, they're kind of pushing his grumpiness. Really? They really did. Yeah. Yeah. They like, you just see it building and building throughout the episode. It reaches its peak and then they all yell surprise and you just see it instantly dissipate. And he's just so taken aback by it all. Mm -hmm. I just love, I think it's such a very touching moment. Oh, Harry. Could you come out here for a second, please? Now what? Can a man work in peace? Well, someone wants to tell you something. Well, what is it? Happy, Happy birthday! birthday! <laughs> <laughs> well, sir, this is mighty nice. Yes. I guess maybe I was a little bit irritable today, but it's always good to know there are folks who care about you. So thank you. It is. It's very, it's very genuine. And I think uh, props to Leonard Jackson. He yes. really sells it. Really in that moment, you can just see the shock, the total shock in his face. And he's so moved. And uh, every time, like ever since I was a kid, every time I watch that part, I always tear up. Can't, I can't not. I know he's such a phenomenal actor. He just he sells it so well. He really does. And also, side note, I was going to say, Mike, I think you have like the spirit of an old railway engineer in you, (laughs) given your love of like Billy and Harry. You've just got that like. (laughs) I feel like you've got that living inside you. That that is true. I am I am quite taken with the engineers. I mean, when I was a kid watching the show, obviously, you know, I was like, oh man, I want to be an engineer like Billy Two Feathers. So you know that. That never really leaves and you. And you still could be. I still could be. It's never too late to make your dreams happen, kids. <laughs> uh, I wish there was like, um, you know how they did that uh, that version on MTV of where they had like people go and make um, music videos for like famous people? It'd be oh, cool yeah. if they had like a version of that. Oh, Becoming. But Becoming, but you would be like shadowing a train engineer and we would just follow <laughs> you around. Welcome back to Becoming Railroad Edition. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's gonna be a hit i swear to god today we're on the indian valley driving the rainbow sun <laughs> oh my god you sound so cool i know um I? anyway sorry for distracting you you were saying about the the emotional moment yeah yeah that deep emotional moment with harry um yeah and i love that there's so many little things that happen in addition to harry in this episode that just really sell it um obviously schemers involvement like usually the antagonist we see sort of a softer side of him we see that you know he's never been to a surprise party before and he kind of you know skirts around directly asking it but stacy finally goes you want to come to the surprise party schemer and he's instantly like yeah yeah of course i do <laughs> i know she makes the kids ask and they're oh, like yeah, looking around right. like la 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 and then she's like kids kids and she has to give tanya a little tap would you <laughs> yeah. like to go to the surprise party i love that because he's like he's playing all sort of yeah he's like guilty and you know 
yeah yeah exactly it's it's so nice and then just to you know to see him especially after harry kind of you know choose him out over a misunderstanding um it's nice to see that you know he's not like well i don't want to go to a surprise party he's just like oh boy a surprise party can i be part of it like yeah it, it shows that you know schemer maybe isn't as as malicious as he makes himself seem but um and yeah, I appreciate I, they didn't just make him one-dimensional either, like that he had moments where he wanted to join in on the fun and that he even, you know, got Harry a few nickels as a gift. I mean, that for Schemer is... That's a big deal. Coins of the realm, moolah. <laughs> <laughs> Some more classic Brian uh, one-liners about money. <laughs> oh, that that's actually one of my favorites, the mm, mm, money. <laughs> Coins of the realm, moolah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so good. So good. Coins of the realm, moolah. You want Schemer to give Harry money? But yeah, I mean, to your point as well, like you say, it's good that they didn't make Schemer one-dimensional. I don't really think they made any of these characters one-dimensional, which is a real sign of no. like good writing especially when it comes to Mr. C, um, who in this episode is, I think this is such a good use of Mr. C because, you know, earlier in the series, we've had the episode, of course, about, um, you know, Matt and Tanya, the kids confronting their fears. And that's Mm -hmm. always a good thing for like other kids to see, obviously, is you, you know, if you see someone else your age or smaller, you know, being brave and standing up to their fears. um, Yeah you know, that's inspiring to you, but it's another thing to see a quote unquote adult character, um, doing the same thing. And I really like that they show, you know, Mr. C tries multiple times to show himself to Harry, uh, but he's nervous. He messes it up a few times. And finally he grows courageous enough and comfortable enough to give it a try. And it pays off in the end. And that's just such a, uh, to have the kids do it is one thing, but to have, the grown-up characters do it as well is also, you know, any other show probably would have had the adults just be completely untouchable. Yeah. Yeah. That's an excellent point. Um, I actually think the initial idea they had of making Mr. Conductor shy was a great character trait. It just made him more accessible to kids. I think. Yeah. Uh, I humanized him. And, and it's funny cause they didn't really continue that on. They had miss, they had George's Mr. C shy in the Halloween episode, but I think they kind of faded that out. But Actually, that's I, I really like that side of Ringo's Mr. C because mm-hmm. he plays it really well. And it's it's sweet. There's something really sweet about it. His little rhyming couplet. He's like, come on, there you go. Never hurts to say hello. Hi, Harry. Like, it's a rhyming couplet his way into it. <laughs> and then he's still sort of like, I love when he does a little, oh, like he just can't stand it and disappears. Covers his face. Little, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, we'll, we'll see many times in, you know, series two and three where George's Mr. Conductor has moments of being very bold and isn't as concerned with yes. hiding himself, per se. Um, but Ringo's mm-hmm. Mr. C definitely is the shyer and, you know, the more withdrawn of the two, for lack of a better word. You know, he really only wants to show himself to, at first, Stacy and the kids. And then, of course, after this episode, he'll hang around with Harry more often, too. Along that same line of accessibility to kids, I really liked how this episode taught kids the importance of celebrating others and surprising them. I thought it was sweet 
that we get to see it through the kids' eyes. And like when Stacy initially tells the surprise party idea, and they're like, "Oh, let's go tell him right now." <laughs> and then she has to explain, you know. No, the whole point of a surprise party is, you know, they don't know about it until the party begins. And then, you know, they're thinking about presents of what to get him. And they want to get him, like, a jump rope and a baseball bat. And Stacy has to sort of, like, redirect them. So it's really great to see kids, how kids di- would dive into that from a kid's perspective. And then Stacy's like, oh, you know, just little tweaks here and there. <laughs> um yeah, it's a good little it's it's a nice little touch that Stacy like lets the kids have their own ideas about it first. Like, you know, they yeah. think they they should go tell him right away or they think that things that they would want, he would want. And she doesn't mm-hmm. stop them from thinking those things. She just says, "Well, might be good for you, but what about Harry? Cuz this is about him." So, I think yeah. that's a nice touch as well instead of just I, again, I I can imagine if another show did this, they would very easily have it so that Stacy just outright tells the kids and they don't have a chance to kind of learn that little lesson it is a small one but i mean it's still an important thing to make sure that you're thinking about the person that it's for rather than yourself for sure and also i like how she adds anyone can buy a present but making them something is really special which i know people might find a bit saccharine but i actually find that really important because a lot of kids don't have a lot of money um and so you know but they have most of them have like paper some kind of like pens crayons whatever and you know how much that's going to be treasured as the receiver, you know, especially as somebody who's, you know, I've received some of my like colleagues, kids have drawn me pictures, you know, Hmm. and (laughs) what drew me a few balloons for my birthday, sent them in third of the office. And I was like, Oh God, you know, you just, (laughs) you love them. And they sat on my desk for a really long time. Um, That's adorable. Yeah. Yeah. So I like, I like that part of it too. Hmm. Any other kind of standout, things for you with this um, initial thoughts memories um i like that i mean again this is sort of a a byproduct of the way that they were going through the thomas stories but it's interesting that i think this might be the only shining time station episode where the first story that we hear is sort of a cliffhanger uh because it's the end of the you know the big engines going on strike and and percy coming to the to the railway so it's interesting that it it kind of starts off with that and mr c even kind of references that he goes well it's a relief that's over as if like you know it's it's sort of carrying on from the last episode which i like the continuity they had going yeah yeah oh that's true right because the was it the last episode was the striking episodes yeah the last one would have been uh whistle while you work which had the first two stories of uh right right from troublesome engines yeah that's a really good point yeah Yeah. that's a really good point i also just yeah i love the emotionality of this episode i really i really love when harry gets the whole bag of birthday cards oh yes Um, after they reveal the surprise that really i i just love that so much um doesn't your heart break in the beginning when everyone else is getting mail and he comes out (laughs) oh didn't think i'd have anything (laughs) <laughs> i know like, oh, i know harry <laughs> he seems so crestfallen he's like just thought there might have been thank you oh. and they're like oh oh i just remembered it's grandpa's birthday oh my um, gosh <laughs> destroys me every time <laughs> it's it's pretty sad it would be it would be sad i love too that in that like moment later in the day it's just like all for him i'm like yes yes it's oh, all for it's you, so harry. sweet so sweet 
Um, I, it's interesting. I also thought that um, the cheese giggles subplot with Schemer was a good way to get Schemer involved in the plot of the episode. Uh, the whole sort of, you know, get Chico's, cheese giggles from the storeroom and then mix up with the cheese giggle boxes and the box of birthday presents. Um, and it also kind of solidifies cheese giggles as one of the staples, I think, of Schemer's arcade. It does. Uh, and you know uh, what? I don't think outside this episode, do we ever hear him mention the uh, potato boom booms and corn whammies ever again? Never. But no. I, I that stuck out to me because the, <laughs> they sound exciting. I want a potato boom boom. Right? Doesn't sound good. <laughs> oh man! That always, yeah, it's the again, only time. Like, this is this is the episode or the season, I should say that like I really didn't see when I was a kid. So I came into this in like the adult life, and of course, in the later seasons, you remember the references to cheese giggles, and um, you know those are mentioned quite a bit. So when I first saw this episode and he mentioned those other ones, I was like, "Wait, there's more than cheese giggles." <laughs> So much more. It's too bad they didn't. I would have liked to have seen them make, you know, bags for those two. That would have um, been super cool. Because I like the original logo, too, that you see on the box of, like, the laughing chunk of cheese. Yeah. <laughs> also, I love the ending to this episode. Oh, my gosh, yes. It's so... The nostalgia and, you know, two railroaders reminiscing about, you know, the president's train and the mm-hmm. footage and then... And then, you know, the fade out of Harry telling the story over the mural. Ugh, it's just sumptuous. I love how excited Harry sounds when it's doing the pan out across the, mur- the mural and he's telling the next story to Mr. C. Like, it just drives home, like, all he really needed was someone else who understood and loved railroads the way that he did. And now he's mm-hmm. just like an open book. And he's he's gone from being this total curmudgeon to almost being like a giddy child about it. Yes, yes, yes. I love when he's like, oh, baseballs, not basketballs. <laughs> That's always like burned in my mind because I remembered that because it cut off where my grandma recorded the episodes. Uh-huh. It sometimes cut off like a few seconds before the episode actually ended. Yeah. And so it it, it cut off right after he says that line. <laughs> so it's always ingrained in my mind. Oh, but I always loved that ending because like the kids and uh, Stacy sneak out, you know? Yeah, yeah. To knowing that it's moment. going well. <laughs> yeah, like they're listening at the door and then they're like, you know, oh, it's really, yeah, it's, re- it's excellent. It's such Most a sweet excellent. way to end the episode. I really like that they, they chose to end it on that note and not have the meeting sort of interrupted, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it too, just reflecting, like, I know, I think as Shining Time progressed, they still had, of course, railroad components and stuff, but I remember season one being steeped in that. Yes. Kind of Americana, railroader uh, feeling. And I really appreciate that. I think that's why I like season one so much. And I think it's why sometimes I prefer that to some of the more, you know, the crazier episodes like schemers robot where it's just a bit it's a little bit more gimmicky um because i think i that's where i connect with it is those stories and the railroad and the kind of romance of that and because harry sells it very well very very well even the song just moving into that like a railroader for me oh yeah i love his love for that song and he's he's, he's even his workshop polishing something and like off in his head <laughs> i know i love that little moment <laughs> it's great so and i i like that song quite a bit um Me i too. 
Yeah, it's a good one. I think as a kid, I remember fast forwarding it <laughs> because I remember Dini's head moving really fast. Yeah, yeah. As she was like going around. But now that I'm older, very different appreciation. I like this song a lot. I think this might be. Hmm. I'm trying to think where I rank some of these songs because, you know, remembering everything that they did in series one, which again, uh, series one definitely is the most, much like with um, the interactions with Harry and sort of what he talks about. I think in season one, the jukebox is basically only railroad themed songs, which is great. Um, yeah. And. Yeah, I, I love this one. I think this might actually be my favorite of the season one jukebox songs. Because I just, I love the the sort of calm vibe and um, it's not, it's not very common that you hear Dee Dee go solo on these songs in the first series. So oh. it's a nice little treat. And like you said, it's just so fun to see the little montage of, you know, Harry sitting in his office and doing his railroad work hearing a song about railroad men and just he looks so happy yeah. and and then it's just you know it's great when it ends and he goes stacy can we hear that one again I'm like yeah i want to hear that <laughs> one again too <laughs> i know oh it's great and uh, shout out to the singer who did dd's singing voice i think there were one or two uh but they they did a great job i think of matching sort of how dd's speaking voice sounds with with a like a a different singer yeah um, you know what i if if you hadn't said that there was a different singer i would have thought that it was olga who was doing it oh yeah no i don't think olga's a singer and yeah i think as a kid i assumed it was her maybe although i noticed that i was like whoa <laughs> that's quite a voice but yeah no they got other people to do i think um the only folks that did their well, I know, obviously, Grace, Venice Thomas did mm-hmm. the singing throughout the whole series, but she only voiced Grace in the first series. Uh, and then uh, we had uh, Jonathan Freeman do right. the singing voice for Tito. Of course. And was that it? Yes, because Rory Dodd would have been the, would have been Rex and With the bo- But the Boy Brothers, yeah. And then somebody else for Dee Dee, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, Interesting. Huh. Yeah, well, like you said, it's it's a great... The singing voice matches the speaking voice really well. Like, the fact that I did think it was yes. Olga who was singing, I think that speaks to it. <laughs> it's kind of sweet. Even if you did, we're like, Olga, you did a great job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of songs, what do you think of Baking a Cake? Oh, can we talk about certified classics like baking a cake oh my (laughs) god this song is such a little bop
cook everything from soup to a steak. But don't be mistaken, cause there's nothing like baking a cake. It's so good. And it's about baking a cake. And they made it like kind of doo-wop style. It, yeah, it's With the little, doo-wop. like the spoons that are like, baking a cake. Oh, like, I the, just love The spoons with their little bow ties. <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh, it's so good. Oh, it is most excellent. I really, yeah, they did a great job from the, the sort of stop motion flying saucer bit to like yeah the backup singer spoons and rory dodd i think rory dodd and steve horlick sang on this track but they really put a lot into the production of it yeah like when you hear the so yeah this is just a little side plug but these season one songs are all now out on silbert records my friend joseph uh has been remastering them along with steve horlick and the first batch of all the season one ones are out so you can listen to baking a cake in beautiful hd now Available uh, where so... all fine music is sold. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's it's on all music and streaming platforms, so go it and is. check it out. Happy birthday to you. The song was written by Steve Horlick and sung by Rory Dodd and Eric Troyer. Oh, yes. Sorry. Yeah, Eric. Good job, Eric. There we go. Yeah, you know what? Honestly, I feel like any of the the songs that are set to these stop motion videos in season one, they're mm-hmm. always good songs. They're always bangers. They are. They absolutely are. Okay, I've got the title here. So Shining Time Station, the jukebox puppet band and animated sing songs from season one. Uh, Songs produced by Steve Horlick, musical arrangements by Larry Wolf, vocal arrangements by Steve Horlick. A lot of different artists kind of laying down tracks there, but it's it's really lovely. And this, this song, oof, a standout classic, an instant classic. When you're like, if you're gonna bake a cake, Put this on. It tells you what you need. Chocolate or vanilla. <laughs> any flavor will do. I love when they say, mix it all together. Now it's a bowl of goo. <laughs> like it's, such... <laughs> it's so oh, fun. My mother always said when you're baking, you have to be happy. And if this song does not make you happy when you are baking a cake, I don't know what to tell you. I really don't. Yeah. Yeah. You may be beyond help if this won't cheer yeah, you up. Yeah. Um, and then... It's great because at the end you get Mr. C magicking up the cake, which as a kid I was always like, oh, cool. Because <laughs> cake is great. And then magical cake. And um, you know although... what? And again, it just throws into question what exactly are the limits of Mr. C's powers? Because he says he can't, uh, you know, punch his way through a piece of paper that Schemer will have put over his signal house, but he can whip up a cake in zero seconds flat which is impossible, and I would love to have that skill myself, but I don't. Well, funny, because he says, they're like, you know, let's try to party, and he's like, yeah, and I gotta go do the dishes. So, Ah. did he, yes, so did he bake 
the cake before in his signal house and is he just using his magic sparkle desk to not to overthink it to transport it out of the house and onto the bench there and if that's the case he made this an adult sized cake so how the heck did he have enough room in his kitchen <laughs> oh my gosh yeah how is that not <laughs> spilling make... out of the signal house I, it would be a cake everywhere. So there are some questions here that frankly need answers. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm perplexed. I, I'm going to call up uh, the writers of this episode, uh, Rick Sigelkow himself, get him on the horn, ask him to explain yes. to me what exactly is going on here. It's a very puzzling, puzzling moment. <laughs> but uh, But either way, we accept it and we go with it. We do. Because yeah. it is... It is just thrilling. And just to turn our attentions to the Thomas episodes, what are your thoughts on them? Oh. First he runs away, Thomas comes to breakfast. Oh, my friend. Do I have some thoughts on these? Do oh, I ever? they're so good. I, you know what? I didn't prepare you for this, but I have a little bit of a rant to go on here. So oh, rant away. Let's, let's rant here. So up to this point, we have had all the Thomas stories in proper sequence order as they were aired throughout uh, the UK back in the earlier 80s. Uh, now, for those who don't know, obviously when the episodes were done for Shining Time Station, Ringo Starr had to go back and redub parts of it. So, you know, whether it was lines that had been edited or changed around, um, updating things like trucks to freight cars and Sir Topham Hat, or the Fat Controller to Sir Topham Hat, things like that. Uh, now, we'll see throughout Season 1, there's a random assortment of series two episodes. I think maybe like just under half of that season he did redubs for my bone of contention is that of all the series one episodes, all 26, how many Ringo us redubs did we get? We got 25. We were one short of a full us Ringo series one. And you know what stings the most is that the one we did not get is my favorite series one episode that is whistles and sneezes. There is no U.S. Ringo whistles and sneezes. And I blame that entirely on Thomas Comes to Breakfast, which they had pushed into this episode. Because, here's the thing, it makes no sense that they did Thomas Comes to Breakfast because we've just had Percy Runs Away, which, by the way, is a phenomenal episode. I love that it's a good Amazing. Little, little extended introduction to Percy. Um, so many classic bits of, you know, him running up the hill in fright. The whole scene of of Gordon coming towards him. You think they're going to crash. And, oh, it's, it's so suspenseful. Um, also, weird little thing when I was a kid. I don't know if you did this too, but those shots of Percy waiting at the signal box. Sometimes when it shows the close up on him, it almost looks like the camera's bouncing a little bit. And I always mm. took that as like, it was like Percy was like giddy with excitement to get back to the station as he was like waiting for oh the my God, I love change. <laughs> and that's all I can oh, see. Oh, I think I know what you mean. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. It's, yes. It's a very subtle bounce, but you can you can still see it. It's, it's very cute. I like it. Um, and then, of course, like I would reenact Percy backing into the bank of Earth and being pulled out all the time. Um, but yeah, fantastic episode. But then... We end this episode showing that Percy is working at the big station as he's meant to be. And then we jump into Thomas comes to breakfast. All of a sudden, Percy is on Thomas's branch line with this 
strange looking engine called Toby, who we haven't met to this point. Uh, and then right. these two other engines, Donald and Douglas show up. We don't know who they are. I just, I don't understand why they felt it so important. And especially when you factor in the, the fact that they didn't really want to include Daisy in shining time station. It seems weird that there was such a push for Thomas comes to breakfast being in series one when what they could have easily done is in fact had uh, the first story of the next Shining Time Station episode that we'll see, which is Henry's special coal. They could have put that one here and it would still make sense because Mr. C would would say, you know, oh, I've got a present for Henry. He hasn't been feeling well recently. Uh, let me tell you about it. Launch into that. And then in Happy right. Accidents, you've got the Flying Kipper. And then you could do your whistles and sneezes, which has accidents in it, you know? So right. I, I understand that I am way too invested in this. The show is uh, decades old at this point. But I just think we were so close to having a full 26-episode run of Ringo U.S. narrations for Series 1. It could have been perfect. I love your passion. <laughs> it's one of my many notable qualities. <laughs> oh my gosh it's interesting i'd never thought about that yeah it's just uh, upon rewatching. i mean it it just baffled me to see thomas comes to breakfast being the next episode on here when everything else had been in order up to this point and i was like hold on that's not right do we get a u.s dub of whistles and sneezes on like a thomas vhs release or no we get it uh we get george's version of whistles and sneezes but we do not ever get a ringo version that's so weird so i have no idea why yeah and like i don't know if uh, i'm not sure what the behind the scenes process was whether they had ringo do like u.s dubs of all the series one and two episodes and then they just kind of cherry picked what they wanted to use or if they specifically chose these episodes i'm assuming they would have specifically chosen these ones because they would have had to do up the shining time scripts as well right yeah well originally they had um i think i mentioned a few episodes ago they had a a guide with all the thomas stories um kind of made up with the various themes and they used that uh as a jumping off point to write the episodes um, but they must have mixed and matched. I know they did that with the songs as well, because I'll look at some of the, as I mentioned to you, I have the original scripts. And so I've looked at some of the scripts and they switched the songs around too. So I'm not sure if that's just like a writing choice. Um, that's an interesting point. I'm yeah. sorry. I, I apologize on behalf of the show doing you wrong. Oh, well, you know what? I'll, I'll accept that apology. I can move on because you know what? The fact of the matter is, Despite the continuity issue, despite being robbed of Ringo U.S. whistles and sneezes, which I don't even think would have been that different. I think they would have had one instance of the fat controller being changed to Sir Topham Hat, and that probably would have been it. Um, All that aside, um, Thomas Comes to Breakfast is a a classic, iconic episode. Uh, You really, really can't get more classic than this one. I wouldn't think. I, I think this is one of the stories that, you know, much like, uh, you know, the sad story of Henry and uh, Thomas yeah. goes fishing. It's one of those ones that I think most people remember and know. Yeah, it's top tier for me. I love I mean, I love Percy Runs Away. 
Uh, it's another favorite. Mm-hmm. I remember like and watching the VHS tapes that the really early VHS tapes like Tenders and Turntables and whatnot that um, my grandparents bought for me and waiting for Percy comes, sorry, Percy runs away. Percy comes to breakfast. That would be interesting. <laughs> um, waiting for Percy runs away. Cause you get the excitement of the chase. Um, good episode structure. You get the denouement at the end. Really nice wrap up with Gordon. Um, and then Thomas comes to breakfast. I, everything about it. I love the pacing. I love Thomas in his cheeky kind of cocky way. Uh, I love weirdly how he gets blamed for the accident again by the fat controller, even though it's not really his fault. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the careless cleaner who is meddling with his controls. Mm-hmm. So, it, but it's it's great. And I also um, I really like the end, uh, like the whole present theme with Mister C. And then his little rhyme when he says, even though they ride the rail, trains need drivers without fail. Mm-hmm. And I was like, part of me is like, take note, hit era on that because <laughs> <laughs> trains, engines need drivers. So, and they need them because, I mean, we're still not sure of the whole, where the engines kind of, uh, oh, agency picks up and where the drivers leaves off. But there is a symbiotic connection there, and it is magical and cannot be ignored. I, I agree. So, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's funny to think that uh, drivers don't exist in the current iteration of uh, of Thomas, and here we are, right back in season one of Shining Time, being told it, how important it bothers they are. me. Even in Thomas and the Magic Railroad, I rewatched that recently, and I was so annoyed how you don't see any drivers anywhere. It just is so bizarre to me. I know it, it feels very, uh, it, it feels very dystopian in a way. <laughs> it really does. They're just all puffing around on their own with no one anywhere, and I'm like, oh, it must be very lonely. Um. <laughs> yeah, I imagine. I mean, but, uh, it must be especially lonely for uh, for Birdie's driver because he's the only he's the only little figurine you see in the movie. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, <laughs> he Birdie's driver is <laughs> slowly going crazy. Um, he's like, there were people here, and then now they're not. I don't know why. My friends and family, where have they gone? Where? Very distressing. Um, <laughs> if you need to talk, Birdie's driver, we're here. Yes, you can call we, us anytime, we, we know day or people night. Who can, who can help you? Don't worry. We do. We do. <laughs> um, people, people, right here. Um, moving on to trivia Mm -hmm. so there's some very obvious trivia obviously this is the first time that harry properly meets mr c of course properly properly and there are moments you know where he sees mr c like things and hears stuff before but then they finally meet um good build up to that this is the what did i say it was the ninth episode of the series so i like that they waited that long um I think, again, the writing in season one was excellent. They set the bar high. Um, And we also have... Oh, yeah, somebody mentioned that when they receive their mail at the beginning, uh, Tanya gets a lovely picture with stickers on it from her pen pal. And uh, Matt receives a coloring book, a Sesame Street coloring book called Ernie's Book of Animals. Does. So thank you to the person on the wiki who looked that up. I think... um, Is it this shot of Tanya with the picture that they put in, like, the original opening correct yes that that's what i was yep, like it looks exactly familiar it. but i can't place it she had some cool hairstyles man and i like this one yeah i agree i completely the sort agree. of like pigtail braids with the with the um the yellow and i 
Nicole can attest to this. She loved her outfits and stuff. And um, yeah, it, it just, I look at it, I'm like, God, you know, girls, women's style is so much more exciting than men's a lot of the time, or at least it was back then. Cause you know, Matt's always just like in a different colored shirt that's tucked into his pants with a little tiny belt. Mm-hmm. Um, but Tanya got to really kind of play around. So sorry, Jason, yeah, but they made Nicole, you know, we're uh, trying a to PBS get yes, <laughs> fashion icon. They absolutely did. And Jason, who we're trying to get on the podcast, maybe he can speak to that. Maybe this is a trauma for him. He's like, he's like she got all the colorful <laughs> outfits, and I just got a blue shirt. Why? Oh, why? I'll have to ask Jason if he dresses extra flashier these days to make up for for all the the wardrobe repression from his season one of Shining Time for him. You know, he probably does. He he probably totally does. Um, and then we also get uh, more creative ways for Mister C to start Thomas stories. So. He spins the present in his hands to start Thomas Comes to Breakfast, which is quite whimsical, I think. Yes, yeah, we've, this is, um, I'm trying to remember, because I know we've had him before with, uh, he, he played his, uh, his spoons, uh, to start a story in one of the early episodes. (laughs) Yes, yes. Well, we, and we were just, I was listening to this one, that episode that's just about to come out and we, uh, he, he cries, blows his nose to start a Thomas story. Oh, yes. That one. That's the so other one I'm thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. There's many different ways or he sips a cup of tea or, you know, but there's, I, it's kind of fun, I think. Um, and do you have any trivia for this bad boy? Um, well, I think with this one. Uh, there's obviously a lot of neat uh, railroad footage that we get here. Um, Harry's recollection of the president's train, that's footage of uh, number 2101 on the uh, Reading Railroad. Uh, That is from a little video called the B&O's 8,000 Mile Birthday Party for any of our railroad buffs who want to go seek out the original footage there. It's very pretty footage. I have to say, with the flag blowing on the front, that's oh, what sticks out of my mind. Beautiful, beautiful footage. I They chose some really good clips for, well, they chose really good clips for all of Shining Time, I should say. But Series 1, I don't know if it's just the clips themselves or it's the fact that you've got, you know, Harry with his great storyteller voice over top of it all. But the mm-hmm. railroad clips mm-hmm. just give me such chills this season. Yeah. And I think they had more accuracy I believe like I think they were going for more railroad history in season one I think in two and three they use more stock footage during the tales and stuff for sure they do sometimes in season one but I do appreciate that they do that here um because like you said it's a real it's real footage and it's a real story and kids can look it up and be like did this happen and it's like yeah 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 version of it and we'll see that of course with uh you know the John Bull uh story as well that's that's a prime example of uh, god i love that one I so much just like actual railroad history and you know it, that's definitely the one that that i think would make kids go did this really happen is this a real thing wait did we already see that one did we see that one i may be getting confused i thought that was later but what episode is that oh yeah it's show and yell we have already seen yes it. that's right that's right because he's like the man's coming back to take the puppets up but i love that oh it's delicious yes oh it's so good well, thank you for that. And then just to move into kids' activities. So we get a few in this episode. So the idea of making somebody a present, which we encourage all the kids and kids at heart listening, please don't forget your talents and and 
try creating something or writing something or you know it it I don't know it really does mean a lot more and I'm I'll just say like I'm at that age I'm 36 now and um for receiving and giving gifts for a lot of my adult friends it's a lot of like you get a card on a birthday uh uh, uh a birth certificate wow that'd be interesting <laughs> <laughs> Here's your birth certificate. I found it. Um, Can you imagine getting a birth worrying. certificate for every birthday? That would be awful. <laughs> That'd be wild, and also like a filing nightmare you know, to keep all of them. Oh my um, gosh! A, a little gift card, which gift cards are lovely. Uh, but I kind of like watching this. I'm inspired now uh, to to make something, and because well, what it, we had the kids making, they're coloring up like a picture frame, mm-hmm. a picture. Stacy's decorating a mug. They have them in a cheese giggles box. They probably could have colored the box if they had wanted to. Uh, and also just encouraging people to surprise other people, surprise them, make them feel celebrated. And that kind of, I think, weaves into the morals of the episode, like really, really making sure that you uh, make the people that you love feel loved, like go out of your way to do that, because I think we assume a lot of the time. And... It's so fun to be surprised and it's so fun to be celebrated, especially especially as you get older, because birthday parties often, you know, they sometimes have a little less significance or they just they change a bit. But yeah, um, celebrate the people that you love. And uh, also a neat moral, I think, about overcoming shyness, mm-hmm. Mr. C, because he really he faces his fear a bit uh, and he has a couple slip ups, which is OK. We all do. But he he gets up his courage and then. Before you know it, he's lost in railroad stories, right? They just are having fun that they forget that they're shy. So I like that. Um, any any messages that stand out aside from those for you, Mike? I think to add to that as well, I mean, just the the idea of a gift can be such a small thing. And, you know, obviously Harry gets many different types of gifts, today he gets a surprise party Mm -hmm. from the people who love him uh he gets a a flurry of uh birthday cards when the mail train arrives later that (laughs) afternoon but i think one of the greatest gifts he gets is when he meets mr c and they realize that they have that common ground and they have this shared passion of railroads and you know that's not something that can be bought that's something that you have with a a genuine human connection and you know, it's just a, a gift can come in many forms and it doesn't necessarily yeah. have to be a physical present. It can be a conversation. It can be uh, sharing a memory. You know, it, it's just it does a, a good job at showing all the facets of what a gift or a present to someone can truly be. Well said. I couldn't say it better myself. Um, and I think we can all probably relate you'll you remember those times when you were surprised by something joyful those things those will stand i'm sure for our listeners you have memories of surprise parties or surprise events or when people came somewhere special and you weren't expecting them um or somebody went out of their way to do something really special and organize something those stick with you so yeah yeah what would you give this episode mike oh out of 10 you know what my my complaints about uh, the Thomas episode order don't even make a dent on this rating for me. This is a solid 10. Uh, I love this episode so much. It's just such a, a good 
heartwarming experience every time. I don't even know how many times I've watched this episode now, but I can tell you that every time I do, it just puts a smile on my face. And it's, I think it's one of the best examples of everything that Shining Time Station has to offer. You've got the comedic, entertaining station life. You get to see all the characters on full display. You know, it's teaching a great moral it teaches that moral incredibly well uh and you get amazing entertainment in not only the thomas stories but the jukebox song and the uh the stop motion video through the anything tunnel uh and of course you know we get the classic you know harry talking about railroads bit which i know we see that a lot but again it's just it's part of the whole package here it's it's a really well-rounded episode and i think I think if I had to show someone an episode of Shining Time Station, if they hadn't seen it before, or just wanted to know like what all this show was about, I think I would probably pick this one. It's a ten for me too, my friend. Hey, that's this, what I, I think was hoping this for. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first. This is the first ten. I think that is it. The first time that both of us have given. I think. It, I think it, it is. It might be the first time that both of us have. Uh, I don't I don't know if we've had other ones that we've had the exact same rating for. So it could be the first I think we time. We have we've once had. or twice. Maybe once or twice. But never we've never given a ten and we've never both given a ten. So this is a double whammy. It's a very special. So guys, this is a great episode. I mean I can't I can't say anything else really that Mike hasn't said already. It's got heart, it's got railroad, it's got good storytelling, it's got laughs, it's got tears, it's got it all. Just Watch it. The whole package. Watch it again and again. Yes. And if it's a good pick-me-up, too. And honestly, I started watching it halfway through, and I felt so good already. It's just, yeah. Oh, it's done right. And again, uh, it shows how, <laughs> like a cake, you blend all the right ingredients, and you can really get something special. And they did that with this show, and they hit the right note, and they had fun doing it. You can see that in this episode. They, they're, they're into it. They're having fun. They're having a good time. So that authenticity, yeah. Oof. Anyway, I, <laughs> I know we've devoted a lot of time to this episode, but I think it being our 10, uh, our Douglas. <laughs> hey, there we go. Double Douglas, baby. The Double Douglas. <laughs> Uh, it is most excellent. Um, yes. Also, absolute chef's kiss for that cake metaphor you made at the end there. Beautiful. <laughs> Hi, I'm Mike O'Donnell, one of the composers of the original Thomas the Tank Engine theme. And I'm here to tell you that I have released a selection of re-recorded themes and songs from the classic shows in a series of albums called The Engine Themes. These albums include a variety of classic themes and songs from the original TV series, as well as a few new compositions. You can purchase these albums on CD or digital download, as well as posters and pin badges. Have a look online at modmusic.co.uk. And for a special offer for Right On Track listeners, you can use the special code ROT20 for a 20% discount on all digital downloads. 
Be sure to enter the code when making your purchase. Thank you for your support and happy listening. Take care and stay safe. All right, moving right along, we're going to move into episode 10 here, which is Happy Accidents. And my lovely friend Mike is going to give us a summary of this ep. I shall do my very best. The episode begins. We are in a bit of a a topsy-turvy state with the station here, I would say. Be careful, Matt. There are too many blocks on top. Shh. Let me concentrate. Hello. Shining Time Station, Harry speaking. The train to Pelican Falls is late. Engine trouble, you say? It will arrive here at 11 a.m. All right, okay. Train is late. I'll have to change the sign. Uh, We start off with Matt and Tanya trying to build a tower, which Matt accidentally knocks down. Uh, Harry, meanwhile, is getting a call to alert him that there will be a change to the schedule as a train is going to be late. He has some work to go do on the platform, so he leaves a note with the kids to give to Stacy if he isn't back in time. Uh, now, Stacy arrives, and just as Matt is about to give her the all-important note, we get a group of acrobats walking through the station. And after uh, partaking in their act, very well uh, rehearsed and very seamless on Stacy's part. It's almost as if she's done this before. Uh, <laughs> the uh, kids are so distracted that the note does not get passed along. Stacy, however, does notice that the schedule board has been changed. So she, believing it a mistake, changes it back, and only for a passenger to arrive and see that she has potentially missed her train, which is no good. Uh, Everyone reconvenes to talk about the incident. They discuss a way to move on with their day and make sure it doesn't happen again, all while Schemer is being no help at all and criticizing them for making the mistake. Uh, Now, throughout this episode, we also see Mr. C pop in to tell the kids some stories about uh, a rather accident-prone engine we've seen before named Henry. And uh, later in the episode, Mr. C actually has an accident himself, which I think is a nice little touch. It shows that everybody can have accidents, even the adults. Uh, He falls off his roof, off his his ladder, I should say, while he's fixing his roof. Uh, After that, he tells them the story of Henry having a crash. Not on the same level as just falling off a ladder, but an accident nonetheless. Uh, <laughs> to cheer Stacy up, uh, or uh, sorry, to uh, cheer the kids up, Stacy tells Matt and Tanya a poem which she wrote for them, and the passenger even comes back only to realize that she has got her dates mixed up. She is meant to be a maid of honor in her sister's wedding, which she thought it was the current day. It is in fact the next day, so... All is well. Everyone can make accidents happen, whether that be station staff, Mr. C, the kids, or the passengers themselves. Well done. Oh, thank you. I don't I, I don't think my introduction game is as strong as yours, but I try. I really do. Mm, I beg to do. <laughs> I think you do great. It's also, intros can be hard. I mean, I, I go to write them and I'm like, oh, I don't know, can I? But, or not intros, but summaries, but... um. You know, you've probably all seen it too, but no, it helps to flesh it out and you gave it a lot of color. So good job. Oh, I certainly try. I certainly try. Uh, what were uh, what were your thoughts on this one? So um, it's interesting. I, I remember when I start watching them, I remember how it felt as a kid at the beginning of the episodes. 
so I think, you know, to the beginning of um, Two Old Hands, the one we just reviewed, and I think Excitement, the male, you know, coming in. This one, you know, you have Matt and Tanya building a block tower. I think it signals that the episode is a little bit more slower paced, mm-hmm. which I found, um, but I still enjoy it. Uh, I love, like you said, Stacy's cartwheel. Mm-hmm. Um, she's such a badass. She really is. I, I just love. I mean, Dee Dee, Dee Dee, obviously, and I know that Dee Dee worked in children's pantomime before this, and you know, did a lot of theater performing. So I'm not surprised. But she just like pulls up her pants a little bit and just does a cartwheel and then leaps on top. It's so the kids are like, "Whoa!" I'm like, "She's cool, man." I'd want to <laughs> hang out at the station if she's just like these random people come rolling in. Um, and I remember they use that little segment on uh, an ad for Shining Time where they say, you never know who's going to come tumbling into Shining Time Station. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, on the same note, Stacy, I question your sort of like leaving Matt and Tanya in charge of the station, mm-hmm. even though I know Harry's on the platform. But she's just like, oh, yeah, see ya. <laughs> <laughs> and like leaving two kids in charge of not in charge, but they're in the station and they are sort of in charge while Harry's outside. I think it's kind of inappropriate. So I sort of think that Stacy had it coming a little bit. I think they needed more staff at Shining Time Station. <laughs> I know it's a bit of a different point, but it's a running theme where like they don't have enough people to watch the kids. And then like, you know, when they got Schemer to watch them, you know, that turned to all all hell breaking loose. Um, Harry's around, but I, I don't know. That's just a side note, I thought. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And like you said, it, it definitely becomes a, it's sort of a contrast that they're they're okay with the kids being, you know, in the station alone in this episode. But when we get to, yeah. um, uh, what is it? Promises, promises, I believe. It's like, oh, no, we can't leave them yeah. alone. They have to have an adult here. It's like, oh, okay, yeah. that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's funny because Rick, in, in inter, uh, Rick's SIF interview, he talks about you know, obviously this is a fantasy situation, but if this aired now, he's not sure how parents would feel about like their kids just hanging out at a railroad station all day. Mm -hmm. Uh, And yeah, similarly, it's like, yeah, you know, what if somebody just came along and was like, come with us, you know, and the kids just go and then they're gone. So it's, I I think um, he sort of says that the show in the late eighties, it was done at a time where it was like the environment was a bit different and you can sometimes feel that, but obviously we know it's a fantasy situation. It's okay. But yeah, so that's that's kind of a funny point. Uh, I enjoy Schemer and his meatball oh. theme. I he's it's a funny kind of foreshadowing for a snack bar, I think. But I just Schemer's such a goof in this. Yeah, what do you think? and and again, we get such a beautiful display of Schemer's flawless, impeccable math skills. It's just. <laughs> What I know. What what does he equate the the cost of one meatball to? Almost twenty five cents. He's, he's well. He it he said his his sandwich cost two. Okay, so we're going to do a little math right. corner okay, here math on time to, shine. time to shine. Here so yes, yeah, so his his sandwich, his meatball sandwich, uh, cost two dollars. Right. Which like good luck finding a you know sandwich for that price these economy? days but i paid two dollars for the sandwich there were four meatballs and it's so that's about uh that's about 75 cents a, it's a, that's almost about a dollar a piece you just cost me a dollar <laughs> <laughs> and so he basically tries to make them feel really bad for the fact that he lost a meatball because they kind of laugh at him uh but 
you see him being goofy you see him getting things wrong i always enjoy that um then what do you think mike yeah you raise a good point that you know coming off the heels of uh, of two old hands there's definitely a lot less well it's less uh less happy excitement to start this episode off there's definitely excitement still um yep. but it's more of a a sort of a flurry of things happening all at once and um i, I think that actually plays into it really well it kind of makes the audience feel you know a little disoriented much like the characters are about you know the changes in the schedule and the passenger potentially missing their train uh you know it's it plays into the theme really well i will say schemer of course is entertaining as always um i also i really like the uh (laughs) the passenger in this episode like she just she's got such a like she's got kind of a high voice like this and she just sounds so flustered and like it's just such a perfect like like they need I thought the train said eleven o'clock. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like there's something about her that just screams like, Oh yeah, you were a character of the day in an eighties kids TV show, of course. Like, you know She reminds me of somebody I met, like an anxious person. Yeah, she does remind me of someone, and I can't put my finger on who, but I feel like she's that sort of passenger that you know or the the sort of person rather that like I think everybody knows a person like that who's like a little high strung and like kind of anxious and you know a little flustered and she's talking to herself she's like you know she's like i won't get there in time to enjoy my sister's wedding and she was depending on me oh no (laughs) (laughs) i remember that as a kid and i thought she was funny she's funny i know yeah it's so good and i i also like the little touch that you know the accidents kind of keep happening throughout the episode but it's matt's little accident of accidentally dropping her suitcase that leads to them figuring out oh hey your sister's wedding isn't until tomorrow so it goes to show that like accidents aren't always a bad thing there can be as the episode says happy ones you know and i kind of i just will say as we're saying this i really wish that this episode had come out later so that they could have put in the thomas music video accidents will happen oh um because it would have been so great that'll get you that'll get you a million views on youtube easily I know, I know. It's so. It's any for for anyone who has not seen that music video, go watch it now. But it is catchy as heck, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a fun, it's a very playful episode, I think. And I think the rhyming has a lot to do with that. Um, I enjoy Matt and Tanya's first attempt at rhyming mm-hmm. when they're like, "There wasn't such a train that was quick as a flash." Oh, I can't think of any rides of flash. It went went off its tracks and had a great crash. Oh. That's not very good. <laughs> and they both immediately <laughs> just kind of like wince and recoil. <laughs> I know. And then you get, you know, Mr. C with his magic dime. Mm-hmm. And then it just sets into motion all this rhyme. So now for the rest of our podcast, we are going to talk in rhyme. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be slightly intimidating. Don't scare me like um, that. I haven't prepared properly. I know, I know. Um, and then Schemer's inherent dislike for when he rhymes, but can't control himself rhyming. Yes, oh my god. Me, I do not like to rhyme. I think it's just a waste of time. <laughs> Is that a rhyme that I just heard? Does Schemer make a play on words? <laughs> I like this. I'll play a song through my, my head and stop this rhyming business. Dead! <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Oh. Uh, and they're, like, I have to say, there's some one-liners with the kids that always crack me up. Like when when um schemers in the arcade and he's like time is and he points at the kids and 
And Tanya's like, 1215. <laughs> He's like, time is money, honey. <laughs> uh, I, I love I love the kids when they when they kind of like pick on schemer mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and for those who are a fan of the plastic tools from I believe episode two or three they have returned yes thank gosh <laughs> thank gosh because what would we do without them a little saw and the hammer just to touch on the jukebox actually we get some nice teachings on like jukebox respect mm-hmm and it being an old machine and treating it nicely. And then we get, I think, Schemer's first deep delve into his disappearing nickels problem. Mm-hmm. So we're building on the jukebox lore here, which I like as a jukebox aficionado. Of course. Uh, hearing more about that, and of course. And, and Schemer's suspicion. There's something so funny about things happening to Schemer, but he doesn't know why. <laughs> hence, it's puppets playing tricks on him. Hence staff in the station playing tricks on him and thinking it's haunted it's it's funny seeing him distressed yeah there's something about schemer uh in distress that really just you know there there's always a guarantee that you're gonna have a a good moment of brian o'connor in these episodes like he's always gonna have a standout Mm -hmm. but you know when you get situations like this they just start piling up (laughs) it's like how do i pick a moment that that's his best moment in this episode you know he's just He's so entertaining. He is. He is. And I just want to say, <laughs> building on what you've already said, my friend, mm-hmm. um, I'm looking at my 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 little list of notes here, and I have one that says, I love how over the top the passenger lady's voice is, lol. <laughs> <laughs> my next line being the quote, these shoes were brand new two years ago. <laughs> plus plus schemer math (laughs) so i think mike and i we've got a vibe we are on the same wavelength but we are and then he does more math oh we are insane oh it's gonna be me um (laughs) it's uh it's it's real and he does math there too because i think he says like these shoes were brand new two years ago and they cost me twenty dollars. That's thirteen, fourteen, fifteen dollars a piece. So again, he does this like wonderful thing of rounding up. Yeah. <laughs> which is enjoyable, just to make something seem more valuable, even though it's two years old. <laughs> I want to use that line though. Somebody like scuffs my shoe, be like, these are brand new two years ago. <laughs> I'm gonna yeah, I, I should try and bust that out when I'm out in public somewhere. Someone just like steps on my foot, like, hey, do- these shoes were brand new two years ago. Do it. Do it. Oh. Oh man. <laughs> what about what about you, Mike? I feel like I've been going on a bit. What are some of your thoughts? Oh my gosh. I mean Yeah, I, I feel like we've covered the goods of the station portion. Uh it, it's just yeah, it's so fun. There it's a lot of uh a lot of you know silly moments mixed with more serious ones about, you know, making mistakes. It's okay to make mistakes, but we also have to rectify things and make sure we don't make mistakes in the future. You know, it, it's a good overall moral for kids to learn. And again, I like that instead of just having the kids be the ones who have accidents or cause accidents, we're seeing it happen with everybody. We're seeing it with the passenger. Yes. We're seeing it with, you know, uh, schemer. We're seeing it with Mr. Conductor. You know, again, Shining Time just does a, a good job at showcasing that. You know, it's not just because the kids are the target audience. 
you have to show them that it can happen to anyone, regardless of age, regardless of, you know, how intelligent you may be. Everyone has the capability of having an accident or two or making a mistake somewhere down the line. I think it, it does a really good job of showing that. It does. And I like to, especially just to build on that when Stacy says, you know, they're trying to point the finger of blame and then she's like, blaming ourselves won't help. What we have to do is fix the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is a, a great way because we, we, I think we all have like pretty negative self-talk, especially when things go wrong and you hear Stace, you know, um, sorry, Harry saying, oh, I should have put the note right on the schedule board. And it's like, no, it's okay. It's done. And I think Shining Time has a good, does a good job of, we go from episode to episode where you see Shining Time as a station finding its footing. And this is another one where you see them stumbling a little bit. They're having a bit of, you know, scheduling difficulties. They're kind of, they're ironing out those kinks. They're figuring out the system. Sort of like when they initially got the schedule board and Stacy didn't write all the details down and Mm -hmm. then had a bit of a mistake. So I I agree. It's a great way of normalizing making mistakes and, and that it's okay and that they're all kind of working together. And not only making mistakes, but also taking ownership of those mistakes. Because once they realize that the passenger missed the train, you know, no one's trying to, you know, skirt around it or push responsibility onto another person you know harry takes ownership for you know not leaving the note on the schedule board the kids take onus for not giving stacy the note you know all that stuff it's it shows a lot of the you know the nuance of you know what you want to do in these situations and she might have missed her wedding which would have been awful yes i mean you think people only get married once she misses her is her sister i believe yes she was the maid of honor for her sister yeah, so that would have been really upsetting. And, you know, it. I think in the end that she, the passenger, I mean, does a great job of taking everything in stride. Mm-hmm. And she's very understanding. And and not all people are like that. But she, even though a lot of things went wrong because of the way that it was handled and the way she was treated, she still said that I'm going to, I'm from now on, I'm going to ride the Indian Valley Railroad. Mm-hmm. So, uh Yeah. And it, and like you said, owning your mistakes as well. They owned it. They didn't try and just fob it off and say, oh, whatever. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So I think that has integrity. Um, are you a fan of the Thomas stories here? We got Cole and the Flying Kippa. Boy, am I ever. Uh, any, <laughs> <laughs> anyone who knows me knows that... Uh, Hen- just two minor stories, you know. Yeah, two minor stories. No, no big deal. Nothing, nothing too exciting happens in these ones. Um, yeah, no. Anyone who knows me knows that Henry is perhaps my favorite engine in the entire series um he i i just wait i just love his little suit his little arc you know i thought your favorite engine was totally somebody else wait okay hang on i have to make a caveat here my favorite you said you said rusty no no who was it my uh, mavis mavis is my favorite mavis okay Ma- that's what i thought mavis is my favorite of the diesels but also is like oh. top tier <laughs> like Okay, her and Henry are tied. It's so difficult to have just one favorite character because you're like, oh, but then this character does this, and like, I really like them for what Not they making do here. Issues, I know, I know, I know. I just, <laughs> I can't. But no, it's good to know because I was like, I thought I was like, yeah, Mavis. Okay, good. Thanks. I, I'm not crazy. Yes, okay. it, it's not an either or. It's a both and in this case. So, okay, cool. <laughs> yes, Mavis. Is, it, you know, it is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful arc for Henry. It, it really is. It is. I I've always loved Henry's little journey through both you know the books and the early TV show. It's just I think it it's a comforting thing for anyone who's going through you know. Uh, uh, health struggles or 
you know, difficulties yes. in their life. It's a great little progression of, you know, facing challenges, overcoming those challenges, and then also having, you know, dips in that journey. It's not just a, a constant trajectory up, because if you look at these stories, yeah. I mean, up to this point, we've seen, you know, Henry's been shut up in the tunnel. Well, then he gets let out and he's shown to be uh, a little bit sickly in some of Thomas's early stories. He had a hard time in season one. He man. did. He really went through the ringer. You know, he, he he was sickly for a little bit there. And then, of course, he was shut up in the shed because he was protesting the fact that he had to fetch his own coaches. Uh, right. And now here we are again. He's been let out of the shed now. But again, we see him struggling. He can't make steam like the yeah. other engines can. So graciously, uh, Sir Topham Hatt brings in Welsh coal for him, which solves all his steaming problems, only for the next episode to uh, completely throw things into disarray. Uh, the Flying Kipper, of course, is... I really feel like we don't need to give this one much of an intro. It's such a classic episode, yeah. uh, especially yeah. in the fandom. I, I feel like most people rank this one as their favorite of series one for sure um and kind of like the like you said if 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 the last episode we reviewed was the shining time episode to show to people this would be the thomas episode or one of the best thomas episodes to show somebody 100 percent. i mean it's got everything going for it it's got such a great story fish it's got fish (laughs) (laughs) this is our first episode uh that takes place really at primarily nighttime um yes. we up to this point we've seen a lot of the series one episodes taking place in the daytime and you'll get the odd nighttime shot here and there when the engines go to sleep but other than that it it really i love the progression of you know the darkness of the early morning as henry's going along the line with his train you're seeing the sun slowly coming up it's getting brighter and brighter outside and that i feel like that contrasts really well with the snow and the winter setting like you know, it just it mm-hmm. feels like a a typical winter morning that we all experience when those months come around. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, and I love the flow of the score. Mike and Junior really just knocked it out of the park with this in terms of the Flying Kipper theme. Uh, it went all out. They they really did. It, it's phenomenal. And then I, I guess this is really our first big crash that we see on screen, too. Yeah, I think so. We've had, you know, there's minor little incidents that happen. Aside from, like, Thomas Comes to Breakfast. True. Yeah. Sorry, I'm going in, in order of the of season one. But yes, we would have had Thomas Comes to Breakfast. So. <gasps> Whoopsie. Yeah. Oops. I gotta, gotta switch my brain here. Okay, second big crash we've seen so far. So, um, but yeah, this one certainly has... It's a nice contrast because, you know, whereas in Thomas Comes to Breakfast, the severity was downplayed by, you know, the station master's wife's being more upset about the breakfast being ruined as opposed to her house now having a, Just a look at all hole. breakfast. <laughs> now I shall have to cook some yes. more. And, and, uh, never mind the gaping hole in, she in the front. The <laughs> yeah, it's just it, it's a very different uh tone in this episode. And especially compared to the original railway series story, there was a lot of comedy in there. And I think, you yeah. know, kudos to uh the Reverend Audrey for you know, using those humorous bits to kind of downplay the severity and, you know, maybe not make it as serious for the target audience at the time. Um, But I think they did a good thing by 
choosing to not go the comedic route with this crash. It shows you how serious yes. a train crash can be. And I think it really drives home the plight that Henry has kind of endured up to this point. It's just, you know, he thought he had everything all sorted out when he got the Welsh coal. And then here he goes and has an accident. And luckily, uh, he's he's not down and out just yet. He does get sent to crew for his iconic rebuild and comes back better than ever. So, yeah, all ends on a happy note with this one. Hope it's not lost. It's not lost at all. Not at all. What did you think of these ones? I do like that moral that you sort of say, like, you know, you can have a problem and then find a solution and it gets a bit better and then it can get even worse. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's a a good thing. It's a really good life lesson, actually. Um, Ebbs and flows. Ebbs and flows, yes. Uh, I I love Henry's whole coal saga mm-hmm. um i i remember finding these stories captivating as a kid as well i enjoyed Cole, and i enjoy sir topham hat's blue overalls yes <laughs> it's a great one off there rare top um, outfit change <laughs> yes exactly yeah that's i think you've said it all for me and then we also have as the jukebox song we have wreck of the old 97 yes uh, which is, I love, I just want to say, I love right before the song when they come and Dee Dee is snoring on a drum set and she's like, what do you think of the song? Love it. Love it. I, I really, Me too. I mean, again, it's just, I'm hard pressed to find a jukebox song in series one, especially that I don't enjoy. Um, yeah. I think with, you know, there's uh, the only one that I didn't really enjoy all that much was the uh, the Jesse James one, uh, which I think mm-hmm. I think we get to that later. I think that's in uh, Promises, Promises or uh, Words Out. Yeah. But in any case, up to this point so far, all of these songs have been fantastic. And this is no exception. This is this is another just just classic railroad song, really. It's all 97. You must put her in a damn valentine. It's really fun. I love Rory's performance. I love when he says, this is not 38. It's old 97. Like he really <laughs> shoves it. Uh, it's a really fun rip roaring song. Quick, fun, energetic, great. Best of jukebox kind of style, I think. Absolutely. Um, I Just on a side note, I also enjoy Harry's segment on railroad safety in this episode. Mm-hmm. And some of the accompanying footage is quite cool. But talking about, you know, railroad rules are written down in little books like this. And he talks about, you know, um, taking your time to do a task, not rushing. Uh, I don't know. I liked I liked it. I believe the footage that they use, is that not from the general? I don't know. I think it is. It's the, the sure. Buster is Keaton it? movie. Okay. Um, the oh, the cool. footage where you see the man sitting down on the side rods of the engine and uh, it I it love starts that to move shot. and you see him go up and down with it. Don't try that at home, kids, but a very entertaining uh, entertaining yes. little piece of footage from, yes, I believe that is uh, The General, uh, 1926, Buster Keaton. Oh, cool. Good one. And there's also the footage of him knocking the railroad tie off, right? Yes. While on the cow catcher. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I like that I, one, too. <laughs> that's a really cool one. I thought that was well done. Yeah, I agree. Um, as a kid, I was like, oh, that's really neat. Yeah, I like seeing um, him uh, kind of splayed out on the cow catcher. <laughs> yes, Even though it's a very yes. slow-moving train, it just kind of feels like he's being, like, you know, 
pasted back by the wind. <laughs> so good. Yeah. So good. And um, in terms of trivia, we've got uh, a teacup start to the, one of the Thomas stories, mm-hmm. which I think I mentioned a little while ago. Uh, and then one thing I noticed, who, 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 is the question. <laughs> who rolls Mr. C his dime at the end of the episode? Mm, that is a good question. Who does? Dump, dump, dump. <gasps> it's the ghosts. Oh my gosh. I knew this place was haunted. They're real. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Um, any trivia on your part, my friend? Uh, you know what? I think I used up all my uh, all my good trivia there with the, the Buster Keaton info drop uh, of the general, but... Uh, that is a great drop. Yeah, yeah. Now you've you've unlocked a new mystery for us, though. We have to determine who rolled the nickel from off screen. Yes, it's very perplexing. Do you think it was another Mister Conductor who like visited the station and was just you know helping his well, helping his or as they were exiting the station, one of them tripped over it and set it into motion oh, and it rolled towards oh, him and he picked it up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Look at us mm-hmm. solving mysteries. Or Mister Conductor's evil twin. <gasps> Somehow. Oh my gosh. Can, There's many options. Can you imagine if we got an evil twin of Ringo, Mr. Conductor? I want evil Ringo. <laughs> that would be so, actually kind of terrifying, I think. I think so, because you're so used to seeing, like... I, it's giving me shivers. I don't even like the idea of evil Ringo. I know he's... Evil George makes sense, because George is so perky, but Ringo's sort of laid back as it is. Yeah, George makes sense, because he's very animated, but Ringo is very, like... Yeah. You know, he's got that dry wit about him. I don't know how you would make an right. evil version of him. Would it be like, would his be like really maniacal and diabolical? Probably, yeah. I don't know. It's a shudder, shudder to think. Um, on the note of kids activities, we have a few fun ones. So we've got rhyming, obviously. And that's something that anyone can do and it's free, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So you can look up and you can look up rhyming words. Rhyming, you can get a rhyming dictionary if you want. Um, Take it from me. Rhyming is free. Right. <laughs> See what he did there? Oh, clever. That's uh that's that's uh unparalleled cleverness. Four years of university, um, kids. <laughs> <laughs> I will say too, the rhymes were well written in this episode. I kudos to the uh was it who wrote this episode? Uh, Do you this remember? one was Was it Ellis Weiner? Uh no, this was Alan Kingsburg. Alan Kingsbury. Okay, great job, because the rhymes were well-written, and the kids recited them well, and some of those were quite mature for kids. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, good job at that. And yeah, just, uh, yeah, flex your rhyming muscles. See what you come up with. And um, also inkblot designs. Those are great. Those are fun. Those are easy. You you know, you make a mistake on paper, uh, on a drawing. A lot of kids rip it up or scrunch it up and throw it away. Turn it into something else. And I will say... I had a little bit of OCD as a child and I remember, you know, not liking making mistakes. And if I did, I would try and fix it or rub it away or whatever. Mm-hmm. Turn it into something. Make it a part of your drawing. Yeah. Um, embrace those happy accidents. Making mistakes is not as like a fault or something to erase or to get rid of. Um, and just kind of weaving into the morals again, practicing. Don't be too hard on yourself if you make a mistake. Um, mistakes can be turned into beautiful things as I just kind of illustrated and then Harry Harry's lesson being sort of slow down take your time and you'll find that you'll avoid making mistakes that way if you if you do mm-hmm. yeah. I agree any other thoughts I think you you hit the nail on the head my friend I think those uh, those are great little morals 
great little activities we've seen too i like the ink blot because you don't really you don't see much of that in uh in tv nowadays or even really back then i guess it's sort of an uncommon thing but it's a cool little inclusion it is makes me think of the rorschach method yeah (laughs) (laughs) which for those who are in therapy it's a bit of a different thing but yeah it's it's neat because you can i mean obviously people don't have ink as maybe as much at their disposal now so being able to sort of do like spill ink on a paper squish it together fold it in half and then get sort of like a butterfly or a shape might be harder but i mean why not why not give it a go um try it yourself as art attack used to say oh i loved art attack oh you're <laughs> killing me mike you're killing me this nostalgia train it's so uh you make me happy um <laughs> oh, thanks so <laughs> so ratings for this one i i kept like going back and forth between eight and 8.5 mm-hmm. and i think i'm gonna go 8.5 okay because this episode makes me happy mm-hmm. it's it's not it's not on the same level as the one before and also sorry just to jump back two old hands is such a great title yes i didn't get it as a kid but it's such a beautiful i guess they mean two old like railroad hands mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i love it love it um Happy accidents, great episode, good morals, fun activities, good acting, good pace, great stories. It's not like the my favorite, but it's pretty solid. So yeah, I'm going to give it eight, an eight and a half. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very solid. Truth be told, I was going to wait and wait and hear what Mike gave, and then I was going to modify it accordingly. But since I greedily went ahead, <laughs> <laughs> now I can't do that. Aww. So what do you give it, Mike? True colors have been revealed. I am going to go just ever so slightly lower. I'm going to give it a 7.5 out of 10. Uh, I knew I should have given it an 8. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? I, I, I'm saying that. You know what I'm going to do? You know, I'm going to modify. I'm going to give mine an 8.25 since I'm so torn. Oh my there gosh. we go. That's oh, it, folks. Oh, Thank he's you. going even higher. Um, yeah, no, I'm going to say. No, uh, no, it was 8.5. I'm going lower. Oh, that's right. You are you're going middle ground. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Middle okay. ground. Middle well, ground. you know what? Go, sorry, my head friends. I'm gonna I'm gonna go middle ground too. I'll meet you halfway. I'll go seven point seven five on this one. Oh shucks. <laughs> oh it sucks. There we go. And and why the seven point seven five? Well, you know, it's uh, I like this episode a lot. I think it's um, it's not a standout for me per se, but it's still an enjoyable episode to watch. Um, again, I really like you know the the one-off passenger i think she's a, a kooky little inclusion and really helps drive the point home uh she's fun. good job one-off passenger. yes yes well done to you we should we should get a name hang on i need to i need to find a name my uh oh yeah, yes okay my my thirst for knowledge is bugging me i needed a name on this one uh That's so funny, have... her, her voice was really fun susan greenhill uh is the name of the actress who uh played the passenger so well done susan you did a phenomenal job good job susan well done um yeah i i like that part of it i like that again you know accidents are shown not in an entirely negative light there can be good accidents and bad accidents and it's important just to mm-hmm. no matter what happens just take ownership it's not a big deal things can always Absolutely. be fixed in the end uh and yeah. of course phenomenal choice in uh in thomas episodes with the two henry centric episodes yes. um great music from the jukebox band once again uh you know again hard pressed to find a jukebox song from series one that i don't like so this is just continuing that trend uh yeah so i i give it that but you know it's just 
you you come off of two old hands and you go to this one and it, it's definitely a, a bit of a step back uh in terms of um you know the joyous excitement of that last one there's still excitement here but i would say it's just it, it's not as memorable for me so nonetheless great yeah. episode well said and i like what you said too about taking ownership for your mistakes because i think as a kid i was hesitant to do that sometimes because I was worried about getting in trouble or I was really hard on myself, mm-hmm. but you know, being truthful, it's always helpful for those around you. So just a reminder of that, um, for all our listeners and, uh, for ourselves as well. Um, also I enjoy to, when the passenger picks up the dime mm-hmm. and he says, Hey, it's my dime lady. Skimmer says, <laughs> and she throws it at him. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he drops it and then pours this up. I, I really, because she's like so sweet to them and then he's so rude to her and so he, she just tosses it at him and then he pours the his soda all over his his shoes, his two-year-old <laughs> shoes. So I, I enjoy, I enjoy that they're taking the piss out of Schemer there a little bit. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. Hi, I'm Ken Bianco Jr. from Train World where we have the greatest selection of model trains and train sets. We also are proud to carry Bachman's full line of Thomas & Friends products. With a large variety of different brands and scales, we have the best items for your model train collection. You can find Train World on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram, where you can see our latest products and even be invited to all our events like Thomas Tuesdays. Visit trainworld.com today to find your next addition to your model railroad journey. Yeah, so I think that's it for today. We had some good ones and we had lots to say on them. But uh, yeah, they I think they warranted it. And uh, it's certainly fun going down this road with you, my friend. So thank you. Thank you. And thank you to everyone for listening. We, we love your continued yes. support and we hope that we are bring you some good entertainment and a bit of a bright spot in your day. Absolutely. And, um, and, and as we always say, we encourage, you know, thoughts, feedback. Um, I don't know. I don't know if there's a way I know there is a, I noticed on our, one of our podcast platforms, you can like, they ask a question and you can give feedback. So, uh, do so please give your feedback. We, we don't hear from people very often and but i know there are people listening uh so reach out give us your feedback let us know what you think um you can give us ideas we're always open um to making this a more enjoyable listening experience for you uh and also i'd like to take a little time to just quickly thank our team behind the scenes uh we have fred who is our amazing editor he works so hard on every episode to cut all those little episode moments and songs in. And we're so grateful for all the hard work that you do, Fred. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, of course. Thank uh, you, dearly Fred. <laughs> and we couldn't do it without you, my friend. And uh, also Tom Denham, who uh, created this podcast, basically the spinoff for us. Uh, and who is always supporting us behind the scenes and uploading and working hard as well. So thank you, Tom. And we hope to have you on at some point because we know that you're a Shining Time fan. 
and we would love to hear your thoughts on some of the some of this world so we will get you on eventually yes yes i think you know we should probably get uh we should get tom and fred on here one time just have a big old big old time to shine party. That'd be a <laughs> we're converting fred he's That'd he's be... starting to watch the series himself so he absolutely is and he's really enjoying the music actually he said he was really into uh don't be afraid yeah he, uh, recently, he also, and I was he, like, "Yeah, it's the '80s." Yeah, he also told me that he really identifies with Schemer uh, as a character and as a person. So, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. He didn't say that. <laughs> lies, 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 lies. But yes, as Adrian said, please, uh, you know, big shout out to our crew behind the scenes. Uh, big shout out to the Right on Tracks gang as well. Uh, right on Tracks and all yes. their all their affiliated spinoff shows are well worth your time. So please have a listen uh tom and the gang put so much work into everything they do and it's just always a joy to listen to so i implore you if you need a little something else to listen to after you've wrapped up with our current episode of time to shine check out the many works of right on tracks please do check them out you will not be sorry um and we will be back next time for more uh reviewing more crazy antics more giggles and laughs and whistles and sneezes um next (laughs) (laughs) no rhyming rhyming. (laughs) i promise not to rhyme Okay, so we I was just gonna do it again, but I stopped I know, myself. I can tell you were calculating, like what can <laughs> I, I rhyme? tell I was like, yeah, mm. I know, what can I mm. Mm. So next time we will be tackling two more episodes, Ring in the Old, episode eleven and episode twelve, Impractical Jokes. Lots more to unpack there. The last two episodes that Matthew Diamond directed. Yes. Interestingly. Crazy. Um, so we might notice like a slight shift as uh as the uh, direction changes in episode 13, but just something interesting to see. Um, we get to meet some a new character as well. I'll just say he's square. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, I have been Adrian. And I have been Mike. And this has been Time to Shine. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you very soon, just in time. That was almost a rhyme, oh. but I don't think it was. <laughs> <laughs> And this podcast really quick. We're starting to make everybody sick. We oh no! no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh dear. Okay, we are really saying goodbye now. Goodbye. We'll see you soon. Goodbye, everybody. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) 